Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Tonight, I'm really excited that I get to bring a word to you guys. This is something that I've been thinking about, that I've been pondering on in my heart. And I really think tonight's going to be a night of joy. We already had a little bit of getting rowdy. We had a little bit of celebrating, especially with that testimony that Lauren released. So I I just kind of wanted to start out by uh, having you guys say something with me just as we're going into this message. The thing I want you to remember is that you have hope. And so I just want everyone to say with me, I have hope. So we're going to say it on three, like not after three, but after I say three, then we're going to say it. Does that like make sense? Because sometimes there's like all this like controversy about whether it's on go or after. Okay, so after three is when I'm going to start saying it. Okay, so one, two, three, I have hope. Okay, cool. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about rewards. If you saw the little tagline, we're in a series called This Is Who He Is. Uh, We heard from Taylor the first week just hearing that this is who he is, Jesus, how everything points to Jesus. Okay, that was crazy. (laughs) And then uh, the second series that we had was like, uh, this is who he is. God is a shepherd, right? He is my shepherd. And so this week, we're actually going to be talking about how God is a rewarder. Okay, so say it with me, guys. God is a rewarder. So he is a rewarder. So our key verse tonight is going to be Hebrews 11.6. It says, and this is the New English translation. You probably haven't heard it before. But it says, now without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Okay, so what I want to bring to you tonight is that by nature, God is a rewarder. And if we want to pursue him passionately with our whole hearts, we have to treat him like he is a rewarder. If we do not have a target, we're going to miss every time. So tonight, I'm going to help you guys dial it in. I'm going to help show you this is the target of what we're aiming for so that we know what to do to get a reward. Because we've recognized that the God that we love, the Jesus who we talk about, is a rewarder, that it matters what we do because there's something to get. And I'm going to tell you about all that. So basically, uh, the way I wanted to introduce this to you guys is um, I just believe that every single human being has a need for absolute significance on the earth, that we have some need in our hearts to be great. We have a need where we have to do something with our lives. Okay, and God actually plays on that need and he rewards us for living out the destiny that he's placed inside of us. And just like we know that we're meant for something more than just being in that cycle where we have to wake up and we have to be in traffic and we have to go to work and work hard and do other people's work because we excel and correct their mistakes. It's the same way with our eternal life and our rewards. We're constantly trying to break out of this cycle. How do I get the significance in this life and my natural life? But with our heavenly life, with our eternal life, the way that we live now determines how things are then. So in the same way that you guys are searching for significance in this life, I want to bring to you the fact that the way that we live now can bring eternal rewards into our life ongoing. And it's not just something that's going to be pie in the sky that in like 85 years we get to have access to. Every time we get something there, we get something here. Because like Ephesians 2.6 says, we're currently seated in heavenly places. So you can have access to your reward right now. Okay, so this is the thesis that we're going to be running after tonight. We're going to be talking about how God is a rewarder. And I want to help you guys remember this. So there's going to be three T's to this, okay? Three different T's. All right, so the first T is going to be trophies. 
And with trophies, what I want you to take away is that rewards are for what you do good and what you do bad. Sometimes we just think of reward in the positive sense. Sometimes we just think of it in the negative. But a trophy that we're going to talk about tonight is actually what you receive for doing well in life and also what you receive in doing not well. And so the not well would sort of be like a punishment. And we'll break that down a little bit more. The second T is target. It's easier to land a hit if you have a target. And the target tonight, as simple as I can put it for you guys so you can remember it, the target is going to be no compromise or purity. So living a life where you don't have any compromise in your life. And we'll talk about what that looks like. The third T is going to be trials. And trials are actually those things that when we go through the trial, God uses it to burn off what keeps us bound inside of us. And it's a way and a means that we can express the love that we have for God. So those are the three T's we're going to be going after, trophies, target, and trials. Okay, so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about heaven rewards are tonight. Um, I was trying to combine the two together, and it was just getting to be too much. So I want to bring this really simple word to you guys and really try to stay on topic with the three T's. And remember, the reason this is so important is because what we do right now determines what is going to happen in the future. So what if I told you guys that the way that you live the next 24 hours of your life is going to determine how the next 70 years of your life are going to go? It's going to determine how much pleasure you experience. It's going to determine the quality of your life, the quality of your friendships, all in the next 24 hours. Don't you think that you would be like, I'm going to live it with purpose. I'm going to do something because I know that every single thing that I do in this next 24 hours has a significance that's so strong that it echoes in the next 70 years of my life. And that's probably all I got, you know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) I mean, maybe, you know, but so the way that we live our lives in these next 24 hours completely reverberates through the next 70 years of our lives. And what I want to bring to you from the word of God is that Actually, the way that we live right now and in this next 24 hours impacts our eternal life as well. Okay, so that's what we're going to be running after. We're going to be approaching that thesis from three different T's, kind of like Pastor Tal, Pastor Teresa, and Pastor Taylor. Okay, so (laughs) the first T that we're going through is trophies. And um, man, that's crazy. So we're going to start out by shattering a misconception, okay? So I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this. I don't know if you can tell, but tonight we're actually going to be talking about the judgment of God. And I know that when I say that, you're like, oh, dang, man, the judgment of God. But what's really cool, guys, is that the judgment of God is actually a super positive thing in almost every part that it's talked about in Scripture. There's a very limited portion where it talks about what happens at the very end. We can talk about about that later. But if you hear the judgment seat of Christ, let me tell you what that actually means. The judgment seat of Christ is a platform, okay? It's a word that they use in the Olympic Games when the runners would come in after the race and they would actually stand on this platform and they would hand them, this is the trophy that you get for doing this well. This is the trophy that you get. And for the person who was the victor, for the one who overcame all the others, they took this crown that was made of like these leaves, these laurels, you know, resting on your laurels. So they took this crown and they would put it on their head and say, you are the victor who overcame over all of them. So when you see that word judgment seat of Christ or judgment seat of God in the Bible, what it's actually talking about is the trophy award ceremony where people get rewards for what they do, whether it's for what they do that's good or worthless. Okay, so that time when there's a punishment for actual sins, that's not the judgment seat of Christ. And that is there, but we'll talk about that more later. Okay, 
So let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. I'm going to read this to you guys out of the Passion Translation, so yours might sound a little different. I just think this encapsulates the concept that we're running after tonight a little bit better. So this translation says, For one day we will all be openly revealed before Christ on his throne, so that each of us will be duly recompensed for our actions done in life, whether good or worthless. And so what I want to say is that the judgment seat of Christ is a place where people get rewarded for whatever they have done, good or bad. And we talked about where the word is used in the culture of the context that it was written. It was used in the Olympic Games when the runners would finish and like, okay, here's your reward, right? And so this actually encapsulates the positive and the negative. And I just want to be clear that I'm not just trying to put something into the word that's not there. This concept isn't just here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Actually, all the way back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31 and 32, You can go ahead and read it later. It talks about how God, because he loves his people so much that he will take the actions that they've done that are good and he will bless them and give them rewards and that he will punish the evil as well. But something actually changes in the very next chapter in Jeremiah where he says, but one day a Messiah will come who will erase the bad, right? And they're all just like, well, for now we kind of just have to suffer, but maybe one day this Messiah guy will come and then (laughs) we won't have to get punished. Okay, so (laughs) he's here. (laughs) So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So I want to provide you guys some examples so you get what I'm seeing, as you get what I'm saying with this. So when I'm talking about rewards, it's for positive and negative. So if you save a lot of lives in a war, you get like a medal of honor. You get like a commendation. If you've seen that movie, you know, like Hacksaw Ridge or whatever, um, you can get this medal of honor through saving people's lives, through being brave in war. Um, You can go to jail for stealing something these days, right? And so that's an example of a punishment that is dispensed as a recompense for an action, right? So at this judgment seat, there is punishments and there is rewards. But remember, the key here is the platform where the trophies are handed out and we're going to talk about the punishment side in just a second okay so now i want this to become a lens i want this to become like glasses that we put on that from now on when you hear about the verses that talk about god is going to judge this or god is going to judge that that it normally means to make a discernment to make a decision based on an analysis of facts and remember the seat is actually where you hand out rewards. So I want you to put on these sunglasses, S-O-N, like Jesus. Put on your sunglasses every time you hear the judgment seat of Christ or God will judge because it's all about handing out rewards to people who are already believers. It's not about judging those people that don't know Jesus yet. There's a different word that's actually used in the Greek and it's not used as often when it's talking about that. Okay, so tonight... I'm really just trying to bring you guys a message for those who have already made a decision to follow Jesus. Because we're going to talk about why this isn't really about salvation at all. The judgment seat of Christ is for the believers who have already chosen to follow Jesus, who have chosen to be passionate. And where we get rewarded, like you get a medal, for the things that you do that echo into eternity. Like we talked about, the way you live the next 24 hours of your life is going to determine the next 70 years of your life. It's going to determine the quality of your friendships. It's going to determine your finances and all that stuff. Okay, so uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. And this is going to be one of the primary texts that we look at as we're analyzing Hebrews eleven six. which if you forgot it, it basically says God is a rewarder, right? So we're analyzing the statement God is a rewarder, and we're going to read 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And in the ESV, as soon as my phone loads, it's going to be so much fun. 
Okay, it says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, this is Paul talking, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. And what I really want you guys to see is that the foundation is already laid. The foundation has been set in this passage. It says, now, if anyone builds on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, with gold, Silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day or the age to come will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation, which is Christ, survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer a loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." And so what I want to bring to you guys is that in this story, there's two different builders. There's one foolish builder that uses wood, hay, and straw. And there's a wise builder that uses gold, silver, and precious stones and gems. You know, like freaking rubies, dude. And so what's cool here is that both of them are building on a foundation. And both of them, the foundation has been laid. And if you paid attention to verse 15 at the end of the story, both of these people are already saved. Salvation was never at stake in this. They were both already going to go to heaven, and it's actually being tested for them about whether their works are going to echo in eternity or they're just going to burn up. And so what I want to bring to you with the metaphor is somewhere else in my notes. But basically, what I want to bring to you is that wood, hay, and straw are perishable materials. They're materials that actually grow up from the ground. It's a picture of trying to do something with your own might and your own strength instead of doing something through the power of the Holy Spirit that will actually last and echo in eternity. And gold and silver and precious gems are these repeated themes throughout the Bible that have to do with heavenly things. It's, it talks about the throne room is, is constantly referring to these different gemstones and the streets in heaven are gold and the silver represents redemption. There's these repeated themes and metaphors. But what I really want to bring to you guys is with the fire, the fire that comes in and judges this stuff. What it does is it will actually burn up wood, hay, and straw, but it will actually burn out the impurities from gold, silver, and precious gems. It'll make them more beautiful and really, really shiny, right? If it's blazing fire, it's going to make it really shiny. So what I'm trying to bring to you guys is this double picture where we have the judgment seat of Christ, which is where we get trophies and rewards, and we have these people that are building on a foundation. It's a picture of us. We can either build with the wood, hay, and straw, or we can build with the precious stones, the gold, and the silver, okay? So now we're going to start talking about how this is not about salvation. It's not that salvation is at stake because we already know Jesus. Okay, so in Psalm 103.10, it says, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, he being God does not punish us for all of our sins and he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. So it's pretty clear that God doesn't do the judgment of the ungodly and sinners the same way that he does with his sons because they've already chosen by faith to believe in them, in him. Actually, what God does when we choose to believe in him is he completely erases the record. He completely resets it to where your sins have been annihilated from existence. So tonight we're not talking about how to get to heaven. Tonight, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about everything that we do right now echoes into eternity and the 
thing tonight is that we can get rewarded for what we do. We can get rewarded for living in a certain way. So this is all trying to bring us back to the trophies. If you remember, I'm trying to explain to you that the judgment of God is actually handing out trophies to people for the works that they've done that are good. And for those people who do worthless things, which aren't necessarily evil, it might just be like you built a really great business and it was awesome, but you didn't really do it with God and you never really were who you were made to be. And it just got burned up in the last day. It didn't really do anything. But if you really love people, that's something that's going to echo in eternity. And that's what I'm trying to bring to you today is that the salvation is not at stake here. It's not like if we don't live a life of absolute purity that we're not going to be able to go to heaven. Jesus already handled all that stuff. That's not something that we have to lose sleep over, have anxiety about, because there is security in the salvation that Jesus bought and won for us. But I'm trying to tell you guys that if we live a life of purity, which we're going to talk about in a second, then we can actually get rewards. And what is the reward? I could spend so long defining different heavenly rewards in scriptures, talking to you about Revelations chapter 12. But what I want to just say to you tonight is heavenly rewards are just about encountering Jesus. If you have a reward in heaven, it means that your capacity, your access to Christ has been increased, that you are able to encounter, experience, and have access to greater levels of intimacy with Christ. And it's not just something that's going to be a million years from now, but it's something that we can tap into and enjoy right now. And so the word for tonight is the way you live the next 24 hours of your life is going to determine the quality of your life for the next 70 years and even the quality of your life for the next 37 billion years. Okay, so the verse that I want to bring out for this is 2 John 1.8. Again, I'm just going to read this to you. It says, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Again, what I want to bring to you guys is the word says, when we're talking about what we're working for, it's not our salvation, it's not going to heaven, it's not knowing Jesus, it's actually the reward is encountering Jesus more. And there is something at stake, there is something that we get for living a life of purity. And so it's worth it to run after it with all your heart. It's worth it to be passionate and to give yourself to this because you get something back. I don't just give myself to God because I love him. I really, really do. But there's something that I gain. There's like this reward, almost like when you feel pleasure, you want to do something more. There's this like self-fulfilling like cycle where I constantly feel more secure in myself by drawing close to Jesus. And so it encourages me even subconsciously to want to bring myself closer to him, to bring myself into to his presence because I've recognized and learned whether it's something I wrote an essay about I've recognized and I've learned that every time I'm with him it's just so good that every time I'm with him I just finally feel like I'm completely secure and totally free I finally get to be myself again okay so the next point that I want to bring to you guys is target and I'm not talking about the store (laughs) we're going to talk about our target tonight that's crazy I, don't, I really hope I don't knock that down later. I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> casually. <laughs> okay. So, we're talking about Target. We're not talking about the store. Um, man, I don't want to read all that. That's crazy. So, in First, in first Samuel chapter 17, um, there's this story about David and Goliath. I'm sure you've heard it. You've seen the little flannel glass, right? And so, what I want to bring to you guys is that in this story, the reason that David gets invited to the tent to come in with Saul is that he's asking about something and Saul hears about it. 
And if you read the passage, if you go read 1 Samuel 17, 24 through 26, you'll see that at two times, David is asking about what is the reward? What will be done for the man that actually kills this giant? And because Saul hears that there's this little kid, and I mean, you know, there's this little kid who's asking about the reward that you'll get for attacking this giant, Saul recognizes, oh my gosh, there's someone here that has a goal. There's someone here that's not afraid. There's someone here that has a target. And he calls this, you know, little guy into his presence. And then he actually gives him the chance to fight the giant. But the only way that he got invited into the presence of the king was because he had a clear target. And that was what separated him from all the other people in Israel. And that's what made him unafraid and so bold. Is He's like, there's someone who's defying the Lord. And I'm going to do something about it. Because he had that target and he knew what he wanted, it opened a door for him for the king. And he wasn't afraid because he knew what he was aiming for. And he could see it. You know, And he's pretty big, so you could see him from all the way over there. So, uh, so anyways, I don't want to, I'm not going to talk about that, but in Matthew chapter six, um, Jesus basically tells us multiple times that he wants us to be pursuing the rewards of God and not the rewards of men. So I'm not trying to paint David as he just wanted to get all the fame and the glory and, you know, like the king's daughter for like killing the giant. I, I really believe that what I'm trying to say here is that Saul let David into his presence because he had a clear target and he recognized that that's actually what opened the door for him. Okay. So. I'm going to say this, and I'm trying to say it nicely, so you know. It says, I can guarantee that if you have a specific target as opposed to just wanting to honor God or love God in the general sense, you're going to be at least 10 times more effective in the long run. So I don't know if that's a real formula, but it's pretty hard not to miss if you don't even know where you're aiming, okay? So tonight, I want to help paint a target for you guys and be like, this is what we're aiming at. Okay, so remember, we know that we're getting trophies. We know that we're going to get like the rewards and that's what the judgment of Christ is all about. But how do we get them? What's the aiming? What's the goal so that we can get there? Okay, so Psalm 1820 in the Passion Translation. Again, I'm just going to read this one to you. It says, he being God rewarded me for doing what's right and for staying pure. So tonight what I want to bring to you is that the target is actually living a life of purity and living a life of no compromise. So tonight I'm trying to like make a menu for you guys and get you excited that the way that we live our lives the next 24 hours is going to determine the quality of our life for the next 70 years. And every day that you wake up, you get another chance to impact the next 70 years of your life and you get a chance to impact the next 69 years of your life. And if you follow Jesus and you love people, it's going to echo all the way until eternity. And I got some really good news for you actually after that. So we're about to get to the really good news, but I'm trying to like, you know, build a foundation because that's what we're doing. First Corinthians chapter three we're building on the foundation right so we gotta we gotta go here first okay so i'm gonna just create a menu for you guys i'm gonna talk about a lot of verses and not really read any of them and if you want to know that if you want to know the verses after you can come ask me but i'm just gonna highlight a couple passages to you that talk about what it looks like to actually live a life of purity and no compromise but that's what our target is that's what the goal is so in matthew 5 6 and 7 it's something called the sermon on the mount this is the clearest passage in all of the Bible that talks about what it looks like to live a life of love and to live a life of no compromise. So we obviously don't have time to go through three chapters, but I want to tell you guys that it's really good. And if I say we're trying to live a life of purity and live a life of no compromise, and you're like, I want to know what that looks like, it's going to be in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The other place you're going to want to look is... I want to get you guys excited about reading 1 Peter. It's going to talk about the target and the rewards as well. It's 1 Peter chapter 1. 
And um, just my little summary for you in John chapter 14, verse 15, I'm just going to read this one to you guys. It says, Jesus says that if you love me, that you will keep my commandments. And so this is the, this is the message that I'm trying to bring to you, that the target is living a life of purity, living a life of no compromise, living a life where Jesus is our focus. And learning what that looks like specifically is going to help us dial it in even more. So you already have the target. You know for sure that the target is purity. You know for sure that the target is no compromise. And you're going to have to search the scriptures to start dialing that into making it more specific. Okay, so for me, what purity looks like is, yeah. <laughs> so for me, what purity looks like is, you know, like cleaning up my, my language and cleaning up my thought life. That there's still times that I say things that are hurtful to people. And if that's something that you're struggling with too, this like sarcasm thing that like bites at people and breaks them down, right, because it's funny then like that's something that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. If there's something that we're struggling with, we're struggling with kind of like sexual immorality or whatever that is, that's something that Jesus covers in Sermon on the Mount. So if you want to know what it looks like to live a life of no compromise, I want to encourage you to just in your quiet time as you're going through, it's Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew chapter 7. So as you're going through this, you might, you might realize pretty quickly that you're like, dang, man, I don't know if I could do any of that stuff. <laughs> you're like reading through it and you're like, I don't know, dude, that looks pretty hard. So even like it says in Matthew 5, 28, it says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, who even looks at a woman lustfully in his heart has already committed adultery. So it's not just our language that needs to get cleaned up. It's actually our thought life and the intentions of our heart that are getting judged for the judgment seat of Christ. But remember, this is not something about salvation. This is about, did you get the trophy? This is about, did you get the medal? Okay. And so what I want to say is that it seems when you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that grace actually requires more than the law. And I actually mean to kind of change the way that we look at grace a little bit tonight. I want us to understand that grace and everything Jesus says, when he said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but whoever even looks at a woman lustfully in his heart has already committed adultery. Where do we hear it say that? Oh, right. That was Exodus chapter 20. That was the Ten Commandments. That was the law of Moses, right? Okay. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's like saying, this is the law and this is the requirement that no one on earth could even ever do. And now I'm saying to you that I'm going to up the ante and have it for your thought life. So now you're being like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? So what's actually cool about this is that God and Jesus, when he was saying this sermon, he was actually creating in us the strength to be able to do this. Jude 24 says it's to him, it's to Jesus who is able to keep us from stumbling. So grace empowers, but the law makes people believe that they can't ever measure up. So when the law said, don't do this, it actually was based on the foundation that each and every person would fail at some point in that standard of absolute perfection. But when Jesus took that standard and he's like, this is what God is really like, Jesus gave us the strength in order to reach that. So he tells us to do something. He's like, I want you to have faith, right? But he actually plants faith inside of your heart. He's like, I want you to love God and love people. But he takes raw love from heaven, supernatural energy surging through your veins, and he places it inside of your heart. And so really, it's not me trying to work myself up and just, I'm going to love people really hard. You know, it's literally like Jesus has taken raw love from the heart of the Father and placed it inside of your chest so that you can love people like you really want to in the depths of your heart he's given you the strength to be able to do it and so even though we feel like grace requires so much more i have to clean up my language i have to clean up my thoughts jesus christ himself is like no man i'm gonna do it with you the law just said do it 
he failed. But Jesus says, let's do it together. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to give you the strength. I'll tell you what to say. I'll help you out. So as we're pursuing this target of no compromise, we're pursuing this target of purity, just know in your heart that Jesus is with you. And now we're at the good news. So this is so good. Okay, so with the judgment seat of Christ and handing out rewards, it's not just that Jesus has empowered us. This guy took it a step further. Okay, what he did was he actually said that I will completely remove and erase any of the times that you have failed in your past. He promised it. Many times in the Old Testament, in 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we simply confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. All right, let's move on with our lives. You forgave me. No, it says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wait a second. I only confess to like lying, but Jesus took it a step further. And when I confess lying, he cleansed me from all the unrighteousness of everything right then and there. Because I opened up my heart to him and he's like, well, I'm going to take out this and I'm going to take out this because you finally gave me permission in your life. But you know, if you, if you hold on to something, like you won't take it. So like give it to him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but <laughs> so this is the truth of the Bible is that Jesus doesn't hold our trespasses against us. You know how we read second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10. You might've forgotten what it was, but it basically said that we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ someday and we're going to be judged and it's going to prove whether our actions were worthless or good right second Corinthians chapter 5 just so happens to also be the passage that says hey we're new creations in Christ and there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ the way it says it in second Corinthians 5 is it actually says the ministry of reconciliation of the new covenant is that God will not hold people's trespasses against them if you remember that verse in Psalms we read it said he rewarded me for doing what's right and staying pure but the other verse in Psalms it actually told us that he's not going to judge us for our sins The crazy thing is that Jesus took the fullness of the punishment for that. So are you starting to see the good news? Here's the good news. That in, let me just read that other verse because it's pretty good. Where did it go, dude? Did I throw it away? It's already gone. Whatever, dude. All right. So somewhere I wrote on my paper, Matthew 10, 42. And who knows? Maybe it's one of those. But it basically just says that if we even give someone a cup of cold water, but we do it in love, then Jesus himself says, I saw you give that person a cup of cold water. I'm going to remember that for the rest of a thousand eternities for those 37 billion years that we're going to live together. That's literally what it says in Matthew 10, 42. He says, if you give someone even a cup of cold water, and you do it in my name, I will remember it forever. Wow. So this is the good news of the judgment seat of Christ. The good news of the judgment of God is that if, wow, is that if you actually do something good, any little thing that's good, you give someone money, you show someone love, you just do the dishes for someone, Jesus Christ himself is going to remember that for the rest of a thousand eternities. And he's going to take it personally. He's like, I took that as you saying that you love me. Not just that you love them, not just that you love your mom, you know, she's pretty good. But, like, you love me because you serve that person. You love me because you did this. You love me because at the end of Crux, you gave someone a cup of cold water, which, I mean, they could just go get it themselves. It's, like, right there. But he's going to remember it forever. And you know what he's not going to remember forever? Whenever we make a mistake, whenever you do something that doesn't measure up, we just talked about how he erases it, he annihilates it. It doesn't exist. So I'm telling you, the target for purity and no compromise is difficult. It is hard. But he's given you the strength to do it. And every time you fail, he's like, oh, man, just let me come in there, and I'll clean everything up, and it's going to be okay. 
And whenever you do something good, he's like, that's my son. He's like, that's my daughter. I'm going to remember this forever because we got to share this moment together. Okay? So this is a really hard target. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do this in my whole lifetime, but I know for sure that every single little step, or maybe it's more like a shuffle, that I take towards the target of purity and living a life of no compromise at all, like Matthew 5, 6, 7. That Jesus is going to remember it forever. He said, that's wow. something that we did together. I know you think you just drove that person wow. home. I know you think you just gave that person a cup of cold water. Wow. I know you think you just gave a high five to that person who was having a bad day. But I'm going to remember that for the rest of a thousand eternities. And I'm going to take it personally like you loved me. Okay. Wow. So Colossians 3.23 in the Berean Study Bible, which you're like, what is that, dude? Every translation pretty much has a place in the body of Christ, okay? Message, voice, all of it's really good. So the Berean Study Bible says in Colossians 3.23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with your whole being, as for the Lord and not for men, because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. And so what I want to bring out with Colossians 3, 23 and 24 is that sometimes we stop at Colossians 3, 23. Sometimes we just say, do everything with all your heart as if you're doing it for God and not for man. But what gives you that raw motivation inside of you, that stirring in the innermost parts of your being and, and like your bones to actually do that, right? What gives you the motivation is that I know that I have an inheritance. Yeah. I know that I have a reward, okay? Yeah. And so... Man, there's so many words. Oh, there's Matthew 10, 42. So I don't know if you guys are seeing this, but this is like the greatest thing ever because Jesus remembers everything we do forever that's really good, but he forgets all the stuff that's bad. And if you're trying to be like, dude, I think this is like a greasy grace. You know, in Hebrews 9, 26, what he says is that, but now he, being Jesus, has appeared at the fulfillment of the ages to abolish sin once and for all as a sacrifice by himself. So what it's saying, it sounded really fancy, but it just says Jesus came to abolish all of sin once and for all. And so Jesus actually, according to Hebrews 9.26, forgave all of our sins past, present, and oh my gosh, that was future, right? And so if he erased it all already, this is what I'm trying to bring to you guys, that the Bible is very clear that with the judgment of God. What happens is that we get rewarded for the things that we do that are good. And if we're willing to actually repent and say, God, I'm sorry, will you help me clean up the mess? He's like, that's fine. I'll clean all the unrighteousness inside of you. Okay. And so the last tea I wanted to bring to you guys is trials. And I really just want to tell you guys this quote. Um, and... It's basically, there's this guy named Mike Bickle. He's the founder of IHOP. It's the house of prayer, not the house of pancakes. I love the IHOP. That's like the house of pancakes. But I love the guy, Mike Bickle. Okay. So it says, <laughs> it says, um, denying our lustful desires is the theater God chose for us to express our love for him. Each of us has a different struggle according to our personality and circumstances. Thus, we each have a different assignment from which we offer our gift of love to God. Our flesh longs for the wrong things, but our spirit has a superior longing to love God. Saying no to that temptation gives us an opportunity to express our love for God. He takes it personally when we resist sin because of love. 
And so what I want to bring out with this quote is that oftentimes, whether the trial came from God, whether the trial was something that came from the devil, whether it was something that Jesus turned around for good, whether I just made my own mess, God actually has used these trials and he turns them to a theater where I get to express the love that I have for Jesus. And even more powerful than that, when I'm going through a hard time, it's going to burn everything off of me that keeps me bound. It's going to burn that wood, hay, and straw of performance it's going to burn all that stuff off because it can't live through the fire. So the truth of 1 Corinthians 3.10 and all that is that the trials in our life are a theater which we get to show that we love God. And each one of us has a different personality. We have different inclinations of things that we struggle with. For me, I have a lot of problems with cleaning up my language, right? And, and just all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so, um, and I just have a problem with turning everything inward and just saying that, like, I hate myself and that I don't have a future and getting this whole hopeless thing on me, right? And God's like, no, I told you to love the thing that I love, right? And that's a part of my heart that isn't fully submitted to Jesus. And every time I say no to that temptation, that that was my fault, that everything is about me and how much I hate myself, every time I say no, God is like, I'm going to take that personally forever. So not just the good things that you do. Not just that he's going to erase all the bad things and all the mistakes, but actually that every time we go through a really hard time and, you know, everything is the fan and all that, this is the time where we get to show that we love Jesus. Yeah. He's like, no, I took that personally too. You thought you just waddled or flailed through that trial, but I took it personally <laughs> yeah. because you held on for love. You endured yeah. all of it for love. And so I took it personally. Man, I wrote so much. So anyways, it says, I just want you guys to understand tonight that God is handing out trophies. That the way that you live your life for the next 24 hours is going to determine the next 70 years of your life. And if we're willing to live a life of purity and no compromise, which you can study more on later, then Jesus is going to remember forever. Even if it's just one little minutia, the smallest minutia of giving someone a cup of cold water. insignificant things, giving someone that $5, like when Lauren saw that $5, she probably didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Jesus is like, no, I took that personally. That was my daughter making a sacrifice and I'm going to remember that forever. It's not just that this girl got blessed in her natural life. She got blessed in her eternal life too, because she chose that with this 24 hours in my life, I'm going to do something that's going to honor God. And it's not just going to change the quality of my life to open up the doors of finance over this missions trip. It's going to change the quality of my life in the age to come because I will have more access to Jesus. I will have more encounter with Jesus and I will experience his love. So I just want to encourage you guys that this is the truth of the Bible, that God is handing out rewards and we can lay a hold of this stuff by living a life of purity. And he's the one who's given us the power to do it. And every little thing that you do is such a big return because it echoes into eternity. It's not just that you get to give that someone, one person water. It's literally that God's like, no, this is something that we did together. This is love that you showed to me. And so, I didn't even know there was the last page. So anyways, tonight I want to invite you guys with me to make a commitment to living a life of purity, to living a life where we love Jesus. And even if we don't know the 75 steps of what it looks like to be pure or whatever it is, if you'll just make a commitment in your heart that's saying like, God, I just want to share love with people. I just want people to know that they're loved, that they're valuable, that Jesus is like, I'm going to take that personally and I'm going to remember that forever. And so I just want you guys to know that every single little thing that you do, even if it's a wrong thing, Jesus is like, 
I remember that and I was with you. And he will not hold any of our wrongs against us. He won't hold any of the times that we fail against us. So what are we really, what's at stake here? If our salvation's not at stake, if he's protecting our pride and protecting our character and our reputation and our finances, what are we really fighting for here? If you ask me, it sounds like all we have to do is rest in his love and rest in his presence. Because for me, it's easier to love people than not. That's the core desire of my heart. And sometimes what I'm lacking is just the bravery to do it. And so if he's giving me the bravery, I already have the desire inside of me. I already want to love my friends. It's just like my natural switch because once Jesus turned around my life, I felt love for people. Like I said, he took that love from the heart of the father and he placed it inside of me. And that pot has never stopped turning. So I just want to invite you guys to let that love inside of you burn like a raging fire. That instead of letting fear hold you back to just say, I believe that all the strength is from him and all the passion that I have inside of me is from him. And the more that we recognize that how I live my life for the next 24 hours, give me rewards in the next 70 years and in the life to come, we're going to be the most effective people in the world because every day of my life is another opportunity to get a trophy. Every day of my life is another opportunity to get a reward. And so I just want to invite you guys all to stand with me now. I just want to bring us into a time of prayer. And I just want to uh, just release a blessing over you guys with all this. So God, I just thank you for everyone here tonight. I just pray that you would release blessings yes, and you would release strength from heaven on each and every one that we would all know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's not about straining with all of our might to bear fruit, but a tree actually bears fruit because it's rooted, because it's planted, because it's connected. So let us be connected to Jesus so much that fruit just happens, that love just happens because Jesus is our source, Jesus is our root. And you don't have to know what to do. You don't have to know what it looks like. You just have to know, I want more of God. I see that he's a rewarder and I've decided that he is going to reward even this little thing. Even if it's just saving $5, even if it's just doing this, God's going to reward me forever. And so God, I just pray that you would release strength, that you would release strength in each one of our hearts to be able to do what's in our heart to do. And I just thank you for all that you've done through this service, God. And I just pray that tonight you would show us that there is a reward for living well. There's a reward for sharing love. And so I just pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.